to breakfast What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas It's Weird Brunch How we doing? Man, I'm fucking done. Yeah, we're we're all fucking done. I'm fucking I'm fucking done. It's been it's been like the last 2 weeks have been worse for me than other than our little trip to Lake Livingston. Our jaunt. It's been rough. So how was that jaunt though? Tell them, tell me about the lake. Is it cold? We no didn't... one got in it, but CJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, Which, why did he go track. in if he was all alone? We let him out on a rope on like a float and he just went out into the, well, we were in a no-wake zone, so he was mostly safe out there. Mm-hmm. The funniest part was that we totally thought, like, the water, at least on our portion of Lake Livingston, was very murky. And I definitely thought that we were on kind of like a little cove, and I th- assumed that it was somewhat deep. <laughs> and the oh, yeah. second time CJ got in the water, he, like, missed the float and then we realized that the fucking water right outside of our little house was legit like two and a half feet deep yeah. <laughs> this whole time. I'm thinking it's like, you know, part of a lake, but no, a toddler could walk across that shit. And he did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he does look like a toddler. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I'm totally picturing him in a little sailor boy uniform. That's what he sleeps in every night. <laughs> <laughs> in his race car bed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good night, Captain Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he doesn't make you call him the captain like in real life, does he? Hell no. Okay, just checking. Can you imagine? I can't, and I don't want to. I don't think she'd do it. No. No, no I know you wouldn't. <laughs> she would not. She would not. She has standards. Hmm. Well, let's not go that far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, did you guys know that <coughs> dolphin clitorises? <laughs> That's just where we're going. That did was... you know that dolphin clitorises? Man, what a fucking sharp turn, right? And... They're made for pleasure. Mm-hmm. I so, did know that. I, well, I knew the that only... they fucked for pleasure. Yeah. yeah, dolphins, bonobos, and some people are the only <laughs> ones who fuck for pleasure. Yike. So I found this research article in that they're making dolphin clit discoveries all the time. But apparently mm. the thing that's magical and different about a dolphin clit from any other clit is that it's actually on the inside where it can actually work. Like it's a G this. spot. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. The whole thing is right where, right where the pee pee goes. So there's no mystery for the boy dolphins in terms of how to work it. It just works all by itself. So now I'm real jealous of the girl dolphins. Of the lady dolphin. Mm-hmm. Why Why are they better designed than we are? I think God. that's the only aspect that is better designed because I still have a hard time picturing how, I guess, the guy flips over. I thought they go like this. I thought it was like one, like, like two hands clapping together. But if you were like, like, like a wave of clap. This is what the tattoos look like. (laughs) I swear to God, I know I've known dolphins fuck for pleasure for a long time. I don't know why. And I, I think they just go and they like mash their little bellies together and. That's listen to that noise. It's like God. There you go. That's the that's the sound of a dolphin clit getting tapped in okay. a sexual, pleasurable way. God, I found it. I found a video. It's on YouTube. Here we go. Oh my God! It better be Popping exactly what I just said. Little chat. It's I, not at all. Are you on your work computer? <laughs> there. Sure. Uh, Hell yeah! It looks like they're all just pocket rocketing it, and there's like five of them 
yeah, there's like five of them following this chick around. Mm-hmm. And they're just sort of looking for an angle. Well, so when they're do also they get all to the frat boys? It's like a lot of 69, basically. They're squeaking at each other a lot. I don't know. Are you guys watching this? I would, no. but every time I try to, it it's very anticlimactic. Whoa, are you saying they're not climaxing? Because this is the whole point. Well, they're not. They're not. Like, if you imagine to... Oh, she just bit his dick. Okay. So it's more like, you know... How long is the dick? Is it like squiggly? It's a little squiggly and it looks like it's pretty decent length. Yeah. Pretty well on dolphins. (laughs) Decent. Whitney's got her doctorate in dolphin fucking. (laughs) Yes, I do. Thank you very much. That's what I went to Texas State University for. (laughs) (laughs) Marine biology. PH is for fuck. D is for dolphin. All right. So it's sort of like jet plane refueling, you know, like where the plane comes in and then dangles its little dongle into the jet plane. It looks like it's like that. But the jet plane's upside down. Okay. And they just sort of like try to dock. I, just, I like this, this yeah. visual. I wish I would have been recording. Well, I guess right. you're recording it. You could take it out later. It doesn't record video. Thank God. <laughs> it's like this. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, it. My hands are dolphins and my fingers are dolphin diddles. Yeah, it looked like she's doing like a fingers walking across your hand. Except imagine it as the fingers like jamming into your palm. Yeah, like that. Except somewhere on your palm, there's a clit. Dang, that's pretty nice. Yeah, must be nice. High five. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Was that Um, our our first rapid fire story? Yeah, that was just one of my tidbits I thought I'd share. Welcome to Weird Brunch. We're doing a rapid fire small story episode. Taking out the trash. We got shit to do. And what's funny is I also have two ocean themed little tidbits. So unless Lisa was going to jump in. Um, I, I can, but, uh, no, fuck you. I'm going to do whatever, this. man. Right. Just chilling. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to talk about Turritopsis Darnil. Are you, are you going to talk uh, about barely, When are you going to start? Yeah. It's called the immortal jellyfish. There we it's go. A, a species better. of small biologically immortal jellyfish. This is an immortal entity that lives on the planet. So it grows up in tropic waters. It comes from, I think a lot of jellyfish create polyps and the little polyps go through the sea. Yeah, it's a terrible word because on a human, a polyp is like not a great thing. So they start as free swimming larvae and planulae. I'm not a scientist or biologist, which is also a scientist. I apologize. So (laughs) they have a colony of polyps that attach to the seafloor. The seafloor, all the polyps rise from the planula, and then they start to evolve into sexually mature jellyfish. Ocean fucking, fucking ocean fucking a lot. When they're sexually mature, they're like, you know what? Fuck other jellyfish species. I don't like them. I'm going to eat them. And so they start attacking other jellyfishes at rapid rates. But when the jellyfish is exposed to environmental stress or physical assault of some kind, or it's getting sick or old age is happening, it can revert back to its polyp stage forming its own new polyp colony. And it does this through a cell development process called transdifferentiation. Oh, yeah. Which is lineage (laughs) reprogramming, Mm -hmm. an artificial process in which one mature cell transforms into another mature cell without undergoing intermediate something other state because I have no idea what that any of that means. No, it's simple. I mean, trans differentiation is why I don't have wrinkles. It's, oh, it's just magical, what does that mean? It's just when you're trans, you're different. It's oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
The process can go on indefinitely, effectively rendering the jellyfish biologically immortal. Although, in practice, individuals can still die if they're fucking smart about it and not assholes. They can just keep reproducing themselves. They also, on occasion... Sorry, I love that John is making a drink behind you. Can you hear it real loud? Like same, I'm sorry. Same level of audio. <laughs> Jesus, I'm sorry. That's no, there's John something really a cocktail. about thought... talking about jellyfish immortality. Yeah, it right. Sounds like you're making a drink while you're doing it. Yeah. It's not I me. It's it was John mine. being loud. So. Oh, I heard that. That was the loudest whisper on the planet. That was like fucking 20 feet away. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. Ooh, it was a yeah. ghost. A living ghost. I guess it's just a person. Um, so, in nature, when these jellyfish do finally die, it's usually because they succumb to predation. So, they get eaten by a predator and... You know, what are you going to, you can't reproduce quick enough to do that shit. Mm. Or in a disease, in the Medusa stage, where they can't revert to the polyp form. So I guess they just solidify Medusa stage style. Weird. The Capacity of biological immortality with no maximum lifespan makes the jellyfish an important target of basic biological aging and pharmaceutical research as well. The immortal jellyfish is immortal. Hey. Yeah, well, then why hasn't it taken over, like, the planet? That's a good question. Do they only reproduce once every 50 years? Distribution and invasion. So, the immortal jellyfish is believed to have originated in the Pacific, but has spread all over the world through transarctic migrations and has speciated into several populations that are easy to distinguish morphologically, but blah, blah, blah. The immortal jellyfish are found in temperate to tropical regions and all of the world's oceans. Okay. And they're believed to be spreading across the world through ballast water discharge, which sounds also very sexual. Wait, that's um, just when ships flush their toilets. Yes, exactly. Ballast water discharges by ships can have, well, that's more stuff about that. But yeah, that's just ships flushing their toilets and flushing water from one place to another. Much so like wait, so how- are people getting immortal jellyfish like in their cruise ship diets and then crapping them out and then like they go I'm trying to understand the how the how they get toilet. into the water. I don't I want to know how Lisa's parents are contributing to this life cycle. <laughs> they are. I don't know how, but they fucking I, are. I bet it. Um or were. Unlike other species invasions which caused serious economic and ecological consequences the immortal jellyfish invasion around the world was unnoticed because they are so tiny. Oh. We are looking, quote, we are looking at a worldwide silent invasion, said Smithsonian Tropical Marine Institute scientist Dr. Maria Miglietta. That's dramatic. Dude, she sounds like Medusa. Ooh, let her have it. Is the short version of what the immortal jellyfish is and how either we're all going to get overtaken by immortal jellyfish or we're going to learn how to smash them up into like a fine paste, eat it, and we can become immortal ourselves. I opt for the second. Yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. I agree, especially now. Maybe that's the cure to COVID. They should put it in a hard seltzer, like immortal jellyfish hard seltzer. And then I'm drinking that. Oh, you are. I'm drinking yeah. straight immortal jellyfish right now. Like, it's not a big deal. It's oh, man. New. You're going to crap it out into a cruise ship later. I am. You're going to shit a cruise ship later. <laughs> I mean, pooping's One the best, dream. you know? Like, let's just mm-hmm. poop it all out and give it to me. Okay, sorry. That's my story. 
Lisa, do you have any ocean sex stories? I don't, but I do want to talk about uh, something the opposite of the ocean, which is um, the uh, Indiana State Fair's first uh uh-oh. So this was... um, How many uh uh-ohs have there been? Two big ones. Uh, (laughs) Two with multiple deaths. Uh, So this is... Um, decades before that stage blew over on people and killed them. Uh, and this one was maybe worse. It depends on, I guess, your fears. But on Halloween Day, Whitney. Um, <laughs> spooky. By the way, all of mine are spooky. Uh, on Halloween Day, uh, 1963, the Indiana State Fair held a Holidays on Ice skating exhibition for a crowd of hundreds. So they did this Holidays on Ice ice skating uh thing every fucking year so uh this is like opening night and it's just after 11 p.m they've got three minutes remaining and they're doing like pinwheels and shit uh and they're they're doing a medley called mardi gras never heard of it on october 31st just a little early in indiana mm, it's just so much wrong with it so apparently there was a propane tank uh, of gases leaking and it's like this old ass tank in the concession area of the Coliseum. Uh, by the way, the Coliseum w- was not ventilated. Um, so they're doing this Mardi Gras thing and then some fucking spark goes off from a popcorn machine. So full out explosion, right? Like uh, the revenge of the popcorn machine happens. <laughs> Blast of orange flame shoots 40 feet up through the south side seats. Uh, People are like catapulting out of their chairs through the air. There's concrete chunks and body parts raining down. Holy shit, dude. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Many of the spectators fell on the ice uh, in that south side of the arena, while others fell into a crater caused by the explosion and were buried underneath huge slabs of concrete into a crater. Jeez. Yikes. This sounds like a Russian hole story. It sounds like something from it. So, I mean, it's from Indiana, so. Yeah. I mean, it's in <clears throat> Maine, but I guess that's close. I just meant like it's just a spooky Indiana in general. Yeah. Um, 54 people were killed on the scene. 20 others died later of their injuries. 400 additional were injured. And then, so like for a few seconds, this is from like somebody that was there for a few seconds, no one cried out. And then there were screams, you know, that like instant of like, but, and then people are freaking out. Um, People are jumping out of their seats and running for the exits. Um, And the orchestra continued to play. Like a land Titanic. (laughs) Yep. This one guy that went, uh, he was one of the like first responders there. He said that he hadn't seen anything like that since he was in World War II. (laughs) So that's, uh, don't go to fucking Indiana. No. They should not have that state fair anymore, in my personal opinion. Yeah, they should cancel it like the Texas A&M bonfire. Yeah. Mm, R.I.P. Yeah. Our state fair is a great state fair. Anyone a fan of State Fair the musical? No. no? Okay, cool. Great. Isn't the state fair still happening this weekend? It's like <laughs> here. A, it's a drive-through. Yeah. So you can you go can, like, get all your fried Oreos, but you don't get out of your car. Oh, I wonder man. if at the That's end they sad. give you a free COVID test, you know? Right up the nose. A free COVID test? That doesn't sound like Texas. Mm-mm. They exist because I have to go take one because my work is requiring it. Mm. Well, speaking of craters in the middle of nowhere, yes. Did you guys ever heard of the Aral Sea? No. Nope. It's like it's like anal, but with an R. The Aral Sea. Mm-mm. Nope. Okay. Well, if you look, if you have like a, a map or a globe from the 1960s, like in it from an old classroom or like a encyclopedia your parents handed down to you. It's hard to miss. It's the size of one of the Great Lakes, and it's right in the middle of, well, Russia, if you're looking at a 1960s map. It's on the boundary of Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan. So it's just south of Russia. Huge, huge body of water. Can't miss it, except for the fact that it is gone now. 
Mm. In 50 years, it just evaporated the fuck up. What? Yeah. Fourth largest inland body of water is gone. It disappeared late last year. The Russians diverted the two rivers that go into it for farming. And in 50 years, it just, it's gone. There's just a desert crater with a ship or two sitting in the middle of it. And... <gasps> some like very skinny remnants of water hanging out there. This sounds like Clinton mischief to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, there's not, this is why I didn't ever make a story of it. There's really not much to say about it other than the Russians really fucked up with their agricultural planning, but it is creepy that the fourth largest lake in the world is gone. That's wild. Yeah. But also I feel like it relates to Austin because Everyone was so pissed when the fucking drought happened and the lake was down so far a few years ago. And it's, it is partially because of drought, but mostly because we sold all of our fucking water to other cities. And it's anyways, that's wild. Do you know uh, what else disappeared from Russia uh, last year? What? A nuclear bomb. No, it was Putin. Yes. Uh, It was. Oh, is this like a Paul McCartney thing? No, no. Putin died and it's a stand-in. There you Putin. go. No, he had a lady friend who was a two-time gold medalist for gymnastics. Uh, she got pregnant, had some twins, and hasn't been seen since. What? <gasps> Uh-oh. It wasn't the tall, cool one. That one. What was it? Do y'all remember her from last time? Eh, whatever. This This lady is 37, so... Is she the one who was screwed in the Sydney Olympics because they put the pommel horse too low? Is that the tall, skinny one? Yeah, she was kind of a bitch. Yeah, she, well, I mean, she just looked Russian. It's not her fault that she was kind of a bitch. She was also kind of a bitch (laughs) in real life. Like they, yeah, Sydney for the finals, they, they set the pommel horse three inches too low and nobody was, everybody would thought that they were just really having a bad day on the gymnastics beam until like one U S gymnast was like, this ain't right. And they went and measured it and they're like, oops, you're right, mate. We put it three inches too low, but like it fucked everybody over. And like all the people who were supposed to win that year didn't win didn't because of it. Do it like fucking you get a do over. That's bullshit. And it was too late. Like half the gymnasts already done it. This is um, my COVID. Exists. She was a, <laughs> She was a rhythmic gymnast, Alina Kaveva. That's different. No, that's not gymnastics. That's the fun ball with the ribbon dancing. Yeah, that's rhythmic. Yeah, that's getting shape, girl. Yeah, I love rhythmic gymnastics. That's fun shit. It is pretty, but it is, it's very like, I don't know, Oklahoma high school activity kind of thing. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of Oklahoma high schools, but more so speaking of watery places still there we go um <laughs> i want to talk about the mcbarge m-c-b-a-r-g-e which was a former mcdonald's floating boat restaurant yes. built on a 187 foot long barge for the yes. fo 86 in vancouver british columbia Oh, that's perfect. It's been moored on the expo grounds in Vancouver's False Creek, which, I mean, well, the False Creek is a short inlet in the heart of Vancouver that separates downtown from the rest of the city. Boop. (laughs) It's the second floating McDonald's location in the world. The first being in St. Louis, Missouri. You can find me in St. Louis. On a McDonald's barge Um, intended to showcase future technology and architecture of McDonald's. Although the floating design allowed for the barge to operate in a new location following the exhibition, the derelict McBarge was anchored and empty from 1991 amidst industrial barges from an oil refinery, which sounds very depressing. But yeah. it got moved in December of 2015 to Maple Ridge, British Columbia. Apart from its very short operation as the McDonald's McBarge in 1986, it's never been actively used for anything and has been drifting from owner to owner for 34 years. Get a job. 
the or McDonald's originally intended to continue using it as a restaurant after Expo 86, but the barge was empty at the Expo grounds until 1991 when the new owner of the grounds forced McDonald's to remove it because he just didn't want to have any McFun, which is rude. Uh, <laughs> Whitney. Whitney. I'm sorry, oh but I got to say this part because I love this movie series. In 2003, Marvel Entertainment and New Line rented the barge as a filming location for the 2004 film Blade Trinity. And that's yeah. the lair that the Night Stalkers live in. Oh, cool. In June 2009, the McBarge's current owner, Gastown, developer Howard Meekin, submitted a proposal to the city council for a waterfront development with the former McBarge as a centerpiece and wanted to name it Sturgeons on the Fate. Sturgeons on the Fraser. Sorry, what? Sturgeons. On, on the, the Fraser, a very hard thing to say clearly. As in Fraser Crane? No, it's not spelled with an I. It's F R A S E R. Wow. Unfortunately, also <laughs> I'm not sure Fraser Crane would have been into a floating McBarge. I'm pretty sure he would be very against it, and that his dad Marty would have been very into it. I love Fraser. The development would include multiple restaurants and a marina complex, including a paddle wheeler excursion, a float plane, and a bunch of other fun stuff. But as of August 2010, forever ago, nobody would approve it, and everything has been rejected. In 2017, the owners of the McBarge made plans to convert it into something called the Deep Discovery Center. They tried to do a crowdfunding campaign, but that didn't really work. And Vancouver City Council is now trying to name it a historic place, but only got 185 signatures, which isn't enough. (laughs) As of now, the boat is just out there as far as we know. Nobody knows what will be the fate of the McBarge, but I want to say McBarge as much as I can because it makes me laugh. McBarge. (laughs) Hey, 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 speaking of Vancouver, (laughs) did you guys know we went to war with Canada in Vancouver? No. In 1859? Oh, I thought this was like a Twilight thing. No, no, for reals. Okay, so uh, after the Oregon Treaty, the one where it was like 54-40 or fight, yo, and like we drew drew the Canadian border, Mm -hmm. they messed up. They didn't realize there were so many islands between Victoria, British Columbia, and Bellingham, Washington. There was like twice as many islands as all the maps showed. So nobody could agree on who owned what islands in there, the San Juan Island, the Orcas Island, and the Lopez Island. So the U.S. and Canada tried to get like some sort of compromise going, but they couldn't agree on San Juan Island. And as a result, both countries claimed it. So uh, in the 1850s, uh, the Canadians sent a a sheep farm concern there to start a giant sheep farm on it. (laughs) And the Americans just sent a bunch of settlers to go do whatever they wanted and just live on it. So they got 29 people to go live on San Juan Island. And so they were just kind of living together, mostly peacefully. Like it was just agreed that like, hey, we're going to sort this out eventually. But until then, let's squat. Uh, And then the Civil War happened and everybody got busy and all that. So um, but right before the Civil War (laughs) happened, uh, the pig war happened. So that sounds familiar. Yeah, this guy let his pig off the sheep farm, and it went to this American farmer's land and ate his potatoes. <gasps> so he shot the pig. Okay. A guy named Cutler shot the pig, and then Charles Griffin. The Canadian was like, I'm really mad. You need to compensate me for the pig. And Cutler was like, here's $10. And he was like, I want $100. And he, the argument went on. And Cutler said, hey, it was eating my potatoes. And Griffin said, it's up to you to keep your potatoes out of my pig. Anyway, so they tried to get the Redcoats to arrest the American. 
that got everybody all up in arms. The president had to send troops out there. Two uh, forts were quickly erected and they were about to go to war. And then the civil war (laughs) happened and everybody agreed, this is silly. We can wait. And then after the civil war finally ended uh, in 1872, they threw it out uh, to Germany and said, Hey, yo, Kaiser Wilhelm the first, will you be the arbitrator on this dispute? And he said, sure. And they're like, well, what's up? And he said, that lands America. And the Brits were like, okay. And they left. (laughs) So now it's part of America and that's the pig war. Damn. Yeah. Well, speaking of now part of America, uh, let's talk about the Hawaiian night marchers. Yes. Uh, They were second. Hawaii was like second to last, right? I don't know. Last. Oh, well. State-wise? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So there's this Hawaiian legend of deadly ghosts uh, and they're ancient Hawaiian warriors. Uh, they come out on nights honoring the Hawaiian gods, Kane, Ku, and Lono. Um, <laughs> I love all those names. I know. Hell I yeah. want their baseball cards. Hell yeah. Uh, these warriors, they come out of the burial sites or the ocean. Um, they're in warrior gear. They don't touch the ground. So you don't know where they've been or when they've been there. They typically uh, come out at night and march until sunrise. They, they're chanting. They're uh, blowing on a conch. Uh, sometimes they, right, they come ladies. out. <gasps> ladies. Yeah, you know when you're uh, blowing on a conch? Um, you know when your man crawls out of the ocean and you don't know where he's been, but he's blowing on a conch? Am I right? And he's What's like, his name? he's levitating. So salty. So they, oh, sometimes they do come out at day if they need to go, like, come scoop up a relative who just died. Uh, That's nice. The, yeah. They make exceptions. Sorry. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, well, sure. Sun's fine. Uh, let's yeah. go get Jerry. Um, <laughs> they got into it for the flexible hours, so. For sure. The first thing that you notice uh, as a night march approaches are the loud war drums in the distance. And then you smell a foul, musky, death-like odor. Uh, you'll hear the tone. Right, of- ladies? Right, ladies. <laughs> um, which is right around the time you hear the conch shell uh, oh. being blown upon. And then for uh, all of this is just to be like, hello, mortals, get out of the way. And then you will see torches getting brighter and brighter as they get closer. Uh, this typically the torches are reflective of Hawaiian gods that march with the warriors. And now humans, when you see, smell and hear this shit, you need to get your ass inside. You need to lay down on the floor and don't look these motherfuckers. Don't even look at them at all. Don't look them in the eye, but don't look at them at all or you will die violently. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Yeah, so in ancient Hawaiian lore, the laws declared body parts of a king or chief to be sacred. Uh, They're not to be seen by a mortal. The punishment for looking at these parts is always instant death, usually (laughs) by bolts of intense light and flaming heat originating from several of the warrior's eyes aimed toward the violating mortal. Nice. I like that. Uh, the ghost walk march is customized to whoever's being honored. Like if it's Lono or Ku or Kane, whatever. Um, if the leader liked music, you're going to hear a lot more drums. If they like, if they hated walking, you're going to see they're going to be carried. Uh, if they really were into silence and peacefulness, this is going to be a quiet ass march, my friends. Um, <laughs> Maybe you're like, I'm going to set up some barriers. Fuck these motherfuckers. Guess what? That's not going to stop them. They'll go right through any of this shit you think was really clever. To um, And also just a hot tip. If you do move to Hawaii, do not ever buy a house uh, with the back door lined up with the front door. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just- this usually means that this is one of the uh, lost paths of the night marchers. What? Terrifying. Cool. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. More rapid fire fucking stories. All right. I'm going to talk about Princess Marie Auguste of Annault. She mm-hmm. is, well, born 1898 ish. Who knows? <laughs> They can't tell. Um, it's impolite to ask. Yeah. Uh, she's the daughter of Edward, Duke of Anault, and his wife, Princess Louise Charlotte of Saxe-Ottenburg. Um, this is all okay. in Germany. 
Yes, clearly. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't fucking know that, man. I'm just. That's where they have Sachs Ottenberg. You're telling me. Um, Yeah. Get naked. Sorry. Oh, I get it. It's a sex joke. That's what Mm -hmm. all of our stories are latently about. Um, On June 10th, 1898, Marie is born in Germany uh, to the prince and the princess, blah, blah, blah. Her father would not succeed his brother Frederick until 1918, the year that he died. Her paternal grandparents were Frederick I, Duke of Anault, and Princess Antoinette of Saxe-Ottenburg. Her maternal grandparents were also princes and princesses of uh, Saxe-Altenburg. So there's probably a little bit of incest going on there. Um, Mm -hmm. Marie was raised in Dessau, the capital of Hanalt. She had five siblings. Her eldest brother died. A lot of people died when they were kids. So March 11th, 1916, she gets married to a guy named Prince Johem of Prussia. He's the youngest son of German Emperor Wilhelm II. She and Johem are, who was Wilhelm's last unmarried child, were engaged from the previous year. That doesn't really matter. The well, the wedding was celebrated in Bellevue Palace. They're just fucking fancy people. They have one son in 1916 December he died in 75 their grandson um married another person like a fancy person from Russia they got divorced at the end of World War 1 nobody really knows why um but they say that there were marital troubles and the divorce was announced like great thanks that means nothing. A lot of people say that they had abandoned her uh, or she had abandoned him to run away with another man and brought forcibly back home. But the fun part of all of this nonsense is in she starts to uh, lose all of her money. And instead of trying to like make it in any type of job way she decides to start selling off lordships and ladyships to random people and being like you are now part of my family and uh that's how she makes the rest of her money for the rest of her life life so you could technically contact her and be like hey yo what's up Marie, like, I would really love to be a lord that would just make my Facebook profile picture, like, even that much more important because I had this title with me. And uh, isn't there a whiskey place in Ireland where you can do this? You can buy a. I'll Google it. You keep going. I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah, that's my short story. I'm sorry it was a shitty one. I was just trying to go through it really fast. But if you ever wanted to be one, I think you could probably still do that shit now. But it's probably like getting certified online to be a reverend, which I am. Yeah. Thank you. We're getting a star named after you or something. Uh, Speaking of royalty doing shit that doesn't make sense because they're no longer in power. Mm. I've got a story about that. There you go. It's working out surprisingly well. (laughs) Uh, But it doesn't start there. So it turns out in 1938, Mexico tried to get Sigmund Freud. So he clearly had to get the hell out of Vienna, given that he was Jewish and in Austria after the Anschluss. And, you know, what was his name? Hitler was in power. So he was like, I got to go somewhere. What's his name? That fucking guy. Yeah, the Hitler guy. So Freud was like, I got to go. And uh, so there's a lot of people working on this. The American ambassador to France was trying to get him through France and get out. But then like France got invaded. And then like uh, some other uh, President Roosevelt was involved. uh, Some British members of parliament and Princess Marie Bonaparte, who is uh, Napoleon III's. She had absolutely no power at that point in human history, but she was still considered a princess because 
once you were royalty in France for like a minute, you get to stay that way. Uh, that's kind of the sorry about all the guillotines deal they struck with their royalty. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the idea was go to Mexico because that's where everybody else is going. Mexico had become this really popular place to go be an expat. And that's why like so many artists and writers and philosophers who were formerly in Jewish ones who were formerly in Eastern Europe moved to Mexico. Uh, and then all the like scientists went to America. But Freud ultimately decided he was like, you know what, I don't want to go that far. And I'd like to go back to Austria after this is all done. So he just went to London. And he ended up staying at the war there. But the thing that really happened here was that as part of Princess Marie Bonaparte's plan to get Sigmund Freud to Mexico, she proposed to the United States government that they purchase Baja California, that bit of California that dangles down into Mexico mm-hmm. and creates, you know, like an arm, uh, to buy it from Mexico and establish it as a Jewish state, pre-Israel, like basically make Baja California the actual Israel and then help migrate all of these intellectuals and scientists and everything there. Uh, and the United States wrote, a polite response and she was like that's not enough and she wrote directly to fdr saying you've definitely got to do it sigmund freud wants it to happen and freud was like i didn't say anything (laughs) like that (laughs) but the whole reason she thought that this made perfect sense is because her uncle napoleon the third was the one who thought mexico is a great place to be a colony he thought that so much that he invaded the fucking place on Cinco de Mayo, which is the whole reason Cinco de Mayo is a holiday. The Mexicans beat back the French trying to invade and turn it into a colony. And here comes the niece trying to get part of it purchased off to become part of Israel to make Sigmund Freud happy. I had no idea any of that ever happened. And I think it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> Lisa, you That's... got it? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I just, it's just fascinating how much the Bonapartes were like, uh, Central South America? Yeah. Yeah, um, why not? Like there's the whole Brazil part. Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> um, so uh, let's talk about some corpse decor. Uh, I think I talked last time about the woman uh, who was like hanging from a tree. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So that was in uh, Frederica, Delaware in 2005. I just wanted to follow up on that. But another one is uh, this outlaw named Elmer McCurdy. Um, he was. Uh, killed uh, or he he died in 1911 and uh, his embalmed corpse became a, a sideshow attraction throughout in Texas um, yeah so people were like really excited to see this criminal uh, on display and that he would go to he would go but uh, <laughs> funeral parlors and carnivals um it's it's hard to like document all of it because you know it's 1911 and shit but he eventually wound up in long beach california uh where someone mistook him for a prop and he was hung in a fun house uh (laughs) at the yeah mm mm-hmm at the New Pike Amusement Park. Uh, and then there was a crew member um, on the $6 million man, which was filmed there mm-hmm. in 1976. And he was like trying to adjust him uh, and <laughs> dislodged his arm. So this was uh, 65 years uh, after this man died what? and his corpse was traveling Just around. Just a mummy. Um, yeah. Uh, so his his arm dislodges, and then the following year, 1977, he is finally put to proper rest. Dang. That's Damn. What mm-hmm. Poor guy. Corpse decor. Mm-hmm. Do we all want to do one more? Okay. I have a very short one, too, but it's about a little baby dog. It's a poodle. So this is like the bougiest <laughs> poodle that ever fucking lived. Its name perfectly was masterpiece 
masterpiece, the poodle, belonged to a Russian count named Pulaski and was one of history's most pampered pooches. Masterpiece lived in a life that many of us could never even dream of. It traveled to Cuba as a goodwill ambassador, being personally invited to attend Fashion Week in Paris and modeled alongside some of society's most beautiful models. This is like the original Grumpy Cat. A little. <laughs> Master P. I like that his name is so close to Mr. It, P. Uh, so I know. Mr. P is a mystery and a masterpiece. Um, masterpiece was one of the guests of honor at many events in a ritzy brand new New York City at the time. Uh, the eight pound toy poodle also earned more money than most people that he worked alongside with reportedly earning 11,000 US dollars a year back in the 50s which adjusted to about $100,000 today. Masterpiece hmm. was trained by a Lyman Lyman lion tamer from the Bronx Zoo and their favorite trick was that you could ask Masterpiece are you a communist? And Masterpiece would go and shake his head like no i'm not a communist because hey i'm a dog that too masterpiece uh stood out from other high society poodles because of the mysterious surroundings of his disappearance through a dog napping um at the time Little miniature poodles were the most commonly stolen breed of dogs. Masterpiece was kidnapped from Poodles Inc., uh, which was an exclusive oh poodle salon and boutique in an yeah. afternoon in 1953, and nobody ever saw Masterpiece again. No. The disappearance devastated his owner and mystified law enforcement across the U.S. <gasps> and no one knows what happened to Masterpiece, the perfect poodle. Oh, my God. Oh, that's Aww. the saddest story we've ever had. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, why would you do that? Somebody kidnapped the dog? Well... Well, take us home, Lisa. Yeah. So, um, I, you guys remember Kmart? Um, Kmart. <laughs> Kmart. Kmart. Um, so, in 2012, which I thought they were already gone by then, but who knows what the fuck year is what? Um, <laughs> but uh, Kmart 2012 in Oregon, this woman is like, I'm going to buy this graveyard kit for my fucking yard so that I look spooky for Halloween. And mm. she uh, opens it up to put her shit out. And inside is a note uh, from a Chinese factory worker who was like, hey, um, me and my friends are being tortured and enslaved. Uh, we're in a forced labor camp. We're making toys 15 hours a day. We're not getting paid. We have no days off. Please, God, uh, get this letter to the World Human Rights Organization. Um, and this Oregon woman who frequents Kmart... Uh, <laughs> did that and uh the the chinese worker was freed and the camp was exposed months really? later wow you were gonna be like and she told people and nobody ever did anything no nope. wow. I, I wanted to turn around the the poodle drama <laughs> that's like the first instance of positive karenhood that i've heard in a long yeah. time like <laughs> she got something mysterious in her purchase and she told the manager and it saved it lives did. Yeah, you know that's what the K and Kmart stands Karen. for. It's Karen. Aww. Karen Mart. Do you know Kmart still lives lives in Russia? Oh, there's still Kmart's everywhere there. I yeah. think there's still one uh, in Metairie. Northern They're like Rome. technically still online, though. I don't know what's up after the Sears bankruptcy because mm -hmm. that's who owned them. All right. You can still go to Kmart.com and buy things. I don't know where. It oh wow, the homepage just says blowout. Mm. Like it's a colon. Oscopy kind Colon of place. Colon, oscopy. 
75% off fine jewelry at kmart.com. Is it? Sponsors of this week's Weird Brunch. Is yeah. it fine jewelry, though? You know, this is... It's fine. A, I'm looking at it. It's tiny fine. little side story from my childhood. But my mom uh, owned a resale clothing store my entire life uh, for over 30 years. And one time she got some, like, piece of clothing consigned and obviously you know like you find notes and weird stuff and clothes when people are selling their old shit but one of them she found she was like there's something like lumpy in here and there was something like it looked like someone had sewed something themselves into it and she pulled apart the sewing and there was like a wad of money in there and she was like i don't know what to do with this because this was probably somebody's you know, like, this is my backup money. Like, I'm going to sew it into a piece of clothing and just in case. And she felt real weird about it. And I just remember being like, just take the money, mom, because we're poor. But, uh, yeah, people do weird things with clothes, man. Guys. That's crazy. Yeah. Guys. That's like your bug out bag. Mm-hmm. There's a... 14 karat gold, quarter carat diamond <laughs> ring on here. Buy it. Karina, get Is off of it. 75% off, though. For 150 bucks, y'all. It is. It's normally $500. Blood it's gold. already cheap. Wait, wait. Here's the problem. One star review. <laughs> One no. star How, review. Who goes on and reviews a ring? Ring is a joke. Do not oh. buy. My husband bought this ring for me. A year ago. Your husband when, hates yeah. you. <laughs> he, when sold to us, it was sold as real gold and real diamonds. Then less than two months go by and the gold starts rubbing yep. off. Get that green <laughs> finger, babe. Uh, oh, man. Well, if you're uh, if you're in need of a quickie, kmart.com, yeah. 150 bucks. And thanks for listening to our quickie rapid fire episode where we just dumped a bunch of short little baby stories on you. I don't know what it says that this might have been our smoothest episode ever. It could have been. I People know. are going to be like, "We like this one the best," and then, and then it'll just be really stressful because we're have we're going to have to find like five stories a piece. You know what? It won't be stressful because we did not do this for the people. We did this for ourselves, and the people can come along for the ride, or they don't. So it's their choice. There you go. What Karina said. <laughs> Get fucked, people. Get fucked. Ooh, ooh, ooh.